we're live. Well, good afternoon, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Overtime, which is our weekly podcast where we get to do a deeper dive into the weekend message. Every week at 12-ish. Every week at 12-ish. In fact, we're going to change our graphic to say 12-ish. Sorry, we come out of a staff meeting. Yeah. They're kind of long. Yeah. Oh. Somebody's got a lot to talk about. Jesus. <laughs> okay. So we're, we are glad that you're joining us here. Uh, we are starting just a few minutes late, but not too terrible. Thanks for joining us if you're watching us live or if you're catching us on the website or on your wherever you catch your podcast. Thanks for joining us. We're glad that you're here. As always, what we hope is that this actually gives you a deeper level of understanding and knowledge of who Christ was and then really bring that back into your, your own personal walk. Uh, from there. So, yeah, this week we were in Acts 6 and 7 as we continued the Holy Spirit uh, week 6. Um, week 5. Week 5. Week 5. Sorry, yeah, I w- wrote week 6. But uh, do you want to uh, give us, uh, actually in just a second, do you want to give us kind of a, a synopsis of what we've talked about this past weekend? And we do want to encourage you and invite you to our Sunday morning drive-in service. So a few weeks ago, we've done three so far. This week will be our fourth one. We want to encourage you that if you're interested in coming and being a part of our church service at 1030 on Sunday mornings, we meet here in the church parking lot. There's two different options. If you want to just stay in your car, you want to make sure that you're kind of sealed, especially as the weather gets hot, you want to use the air conditioning. We've got a drive-in area, or if you want to kind of be socially distant, but also be seated outside, we have an option for that as well. Obviously, weather kind of plays a big part of that. If it's raining, you're probably just going to want to sit in your car. But we want to invite you to that. That's every Sunday morning at 1030 here at the Christian Life Center. Um, had a great turnout, I feel like, the last few weeks. And so if you'd like, like to be a part of that, it would be great to have you. So And the sermon's 15 minutes shorter. Yes, the sermon is 15 minutes shorter, or at least it's that's what we're going for. That's what it was this past week. Maybe it's 12 minutes, maybe it's 13 minutes, maybe it's 10 minutes It was 15 shorter. minutes this past week. It was 15 but it wasn't because the one week. on Sunday was short. It was because... The one online was long. Yeah, that's all it is. Right, so, that's yeah. all that it is. So anyway, we'd love to have you there. In in fact, in the next few weeks, we'll be figuring out and kind of communicating what it looks like to have some children's programs as part of that. First as well. week of July. Yep. So we're we're moving towards that as we kind of continue out what it continue to figure out what it means to um, figure out church post COVID or still during COVID. So it's not post COVID, but con. COVID. Con COVID. Yeah, Con that's what COVID. we'll say. Yeah. So if you have any questions, please check out our website, clcfamily.church. And there's a tab just on the top of the, the website that you can click that and get some information about that. So without further ado, do you want to kind of bring us up to speed what we talked about this past weekend? Uh, yeah. So Acts chapter six and seven, we just kind of been charting through the book of Acts, not just to hear about the first century church, but hear about the one who fuels the first century church, right? So there's a lot of conversations about the book of Acts and understanding how the, uh, the what the church did. But the reason by which the church does this is the Holy Spirit, right? So we've right, been, right. Uh, you know, just kind of studying the role of the Holy Spirit now. How do we apply and invite the Holy Spirit to go do some really neat stuff in our life? And uh, last week we saw some things not to do. Ananias and Sapphira, they die. That's not good. And now we see some things to do with Stephen. He dies. That's not good as well. But there are two different t- sets of deaths, two different circumstances. And so if I were to kind of qualify Stephen's story, as he's a guy that said it's not about him. Yeah. And I uh, really, really need to see that. And uh, yeah, really, really hard to watch the story unfold, particularly to imagine his death and the way that he died. And um, so there's some some sadness in that. And yet there's lots to learn in his life. And so uh, kind of the, the, the story, real story, true story that we find ourselves in in Acts chapter six and seven is there's this first like 
inner struggle within the church, not because of hypocrisy, not, uh, you know, we've seen kind of three things so far. We've seen um, religious people come after the church, right? right. It grew. We have seen, um, then we've seen uh, uh, government officials come after the church. It grew, right? Then we've seen people within the church lie about who they are and hypocrisy, and the church continued to grow, right? So you see all those things, and now we're going to see the first kind of inward struggle that happens that yeah. we know of in the church. It may not have been the first one. The first one that's captured by Luke. Luke does a pretty good job of his writing, so I imagine he's pretty thorough in imagining what we need to know and, you know, kind of the— the, the collection of events. So what we see in Acts chapter 6 is we see the story of basically um, uh, different types of Christians. So before they were Christians, just like we were, they, they had nationalities, ethnicities, backgrounds. A lot of them are, uh, in fact, all the first century Christians, the very first round, like the first round of Christians, were all uh, former Jews, meaning they believed in a deistic, monotheistic God, God of Judaism, right? That, that This God, and but yet they didn't know how to interact with him. They knew him from the Ten Commandments. They knew him from these patriarchal, you know, families, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, Joseph, Moses, you know, Joshua, just these great heroes of the faith. And then you see they know him from great matriarchal folks too, Ruth, you know, Naomi, uh, Queen Esther, these kind of things. So you see they, they all believed in this God, and yet they didn't know how to connect to that God or how to make their life right before God. They understood they couldn't do enough sacrifices, follow enough rules for to appease God because they knew they were flawed, right? And so when they heard about this Jesus who was from the line of David, right? So the patriarchal line, right? He was from that line, right? He was from that, and yet he was, so he was Jewish, but he said he wasn't just from that line. He was from God himself. He was God in the flesh and that he came to take away the sins of the world, meaning he came to make it right for people to get back to God. And so these first century folks in Jerusalem, kind of, you know, the Mecca, maybe a bad term there, headquarters of uh, Judaism, uh, all these Jews were kind of came into town to kind of experience God, didn't know how. And then there was this moment where there was this infilling of the Holy Spirit, right. this third part of the triune God. So you got God the Father, God the Son, and all the Spirit involved, and they were so moved by this transformation. And so all these Jews become Christians. In fact, right. there's about 40,000 people in Jerusalem. You'd assume most of those folks are Jewish. And now we find ourselves just a few weeks into this movement and our months into this movement. And we see 10,000 people that are Christians all coming from this Jewish faith. But the problem is they were Jews in religion, but not Jews in nationality. Like So right. you know, we use the word uh, Jew to mean two different things. One, you know, a belief system, a worldview, but also those from... Israel, the right, tribe of Jacob, right? right? And so um, you got both of those things. And so we had the Hebraic Jews, the Hebrew Jews from the tribe there. And then you had the folks that kind of lived outside of Jerusalem, uh, particularly in Greece uh, and from the, you know, the area called Hella in the Greek. And so these Jews over there, and so they came back to Jerusalem, and they all came to faith in Jesus. And so this number kind of uh, continued to grow. But as it grew, we had all these Hebraic Jewish leaders serving Hebraic Jews. And now you add all this influx of essentially, you know, kind of like refugees or whatever coming in. And um, these new folks from Hellenistic Jews, different culture, different experiences, different colors of skin probably, uh, different languages, they are all now Christians, and they're going, hey, we don't, we feel like kind of outcasts, right? Yeah. You, know, you know, some of this is probably truth, right? Like um, these, Christ, uh, these new Christian Hebraic Jewish leaders were probably caring for their families and their cultural inner circles and so they're probably left out for that there's probably some confirmation bias in this as well where they go they don't care about us they don't love us and so there's what what happens it says in the esv that troubles arose meaning it wasn't yeah. like it was that it came directly to the the church which 
I didn't get to talk about this, uh, so I'm kind of giving you a review, but I definitely don't want to miss this piece in that. Um, didn't get to talk much about this. A little bit more online than in person, but like you kind of see that's kind of the, how churches kind of happen, right? There's yeah. this grumbling that happens, yeah. not to the people you're frustrated with, but with other people that all of a sudden this spirit of dissension kind of arises in the yeah. middle of it. So it arises, and so, you know, a couple – uh, disappointing things there is that these people are just kind of talking about it to people who can't fix it, by the way. And so finally the apostles get this and they decide to confront it and then go, just some, some neat things to consider here. And you guys know this as, as you've seen churches. I grew up in a Baptist church and there's one on every corner and <laughs> they're on every corner because of this, this right. grumbling sermon too long, sermon too short, not biblical enough, right. too biblical, not entertaining enough, too entertaining, right? And uh, wrong copper, carpet color, pews, chairs, you know, they don't have a cross inside the church. They have too many crosses, like all these different <laughs> things, just all these different battles. They have a steeple. They don't have a steeple, stained glass, no stained glass, right? All these different battles, and there's this, this grumbling that created kind of a dissension and division. And so I just think, uh, since you're in this one, you're you're leaning in for some more practical stuff, I think, and more understanding. I'd say kind of um, some really important things to live by. I'd go trust over suspicion, right? right? We talk about it a lot around here. It's a, a thought from Andy Stanley. It's this idea that... Um, we, we choose to trust, even if we don't understand it. If there's a gap that we need to fill, we fill it with trust. We trust that our leaders, uh, kind of weird saying it because I'm one of the leaders of our church, <laughs> right? We trust that they're going before God. We trust they have a plan. We do all that kind of stuff. And we, we trust as long as we possibly can. Now, right. if there comes a moment where you no longer can trust, that's fair. Your spouse may be cheating on you, right? That is not something you go, ah, oh, he's not. No, there might come a point where there's evidence, data, whatever, to show that you can't trust anymore, then then what I would just recommend is then you go to the source, right? right. If there's got to be something, you go to the person that has hurt you, frustrated you, disappointed you, even if that's one of us, come come to the source, right? right. And have those conversations because what happens is this division and dissension happens. So you see this happen in the first century church, and it's with uh, Hebraic and Hellenistic Jews kind of divided lines. The apostles, these first 12 guys kind of a charge to lead a church, a couple hundred people, and now it's 10,000, pretty big mega church in the first century that these 12 guys are responsible for everything. And what we find out is the disappointment is the Hebraic Jews, orphan or widows, are being taken care of. Right. They have food. They, you know, their grass is getting cut, whatever those things are, right? Not grass. That's a joke because there's no grass around. But, you know, you know, kind of a, not really even a joke, just a statement. Sorry, you guys got off path. I'm still trying to give you the review. And then uh, on the other side, you have, you know, so they're getting taken care of, but these Hellenistic Jews aren't. And they're going, that's yeah. not good. And so first problem shows up. And what we're yeah. going to see here is that there's going to be an obstacle and that God's going to use ordinary people to create a really beautiful opportunity. Right. And what right. we see happen here is the first creation of deacons. Uh, can't wait to tell you more about that over the next uh, couple of quarters, like through the end of this year, of what that looks like for our church. and how, Because what the apostles say is, we understand you, we hear you, we feel you, we experience you, and we validate your feelings and opinions. They're all true. But we got to keep preaching the word yeah. and praying. And so what they're going is, hey, there's urgent. What we see here is important and it's urgent, but there's also important. I mean, so you got urgent and important. So we see the kind of thing and they go, we can't stop doing this at first glance. It sounds like a really terrible thing, but when you look at it collectively, it's pretty beautiful. What they do is they invite new guys to the table. They select the seven guys and it says it's full of faith, full of Holy Spirit. Really, really cool. So guys who had the spirit in them, wisdom in them from God's word, they go, because the way that things change is through God's word. 
God's word transforms people, but we also understand that through that transformation means that people start caring for others, serving others, loving their neighbor as themselves, and start meeting the needs of those around us, which is a pretty important part of what we do as a church. And so, but that comes from the God's word, right? And so they say that it said it pleased the whole group, and they only see these seven new Greek people that show up, right? right. These Greek folks, meaning from the culture that felt like outcast into the beautiful work of the body as leaders in the body and then what kind of happens is that the magnifying class kind of focuses on Stephen and so we see a guy yeah. ordinary guy lay person full of faith full of wisdom full of the Holy Spirit do some pretty amazing things um, great signs and wonders all that kind of stuff and it uh, gets him into a lot of trouble yeah. I mean he suffers for it and so we just looked at this is value of God's word value of serving others and what happens for him and what yeah. we can learn in it so that's yeah, I feel like there's so much that we yep. can unpack in there. And what we hope to do is kind of start to do some of that. Um, just one of the things that as we've done pretty much every week, and it depends on where you're coming. Like I think our new cadence is that if you're coming to the drive-in service, there's a little bit less of a, re uh, of a review from week to week. Um, but online, if you're watching, you'll get kind of that full review because that's important as you understand. And so as we've talked about numerous times here, it's creation, fall, redemption, restoration, kind of the role of each one and specifically the Holy Spirit's role in that uh, the restoration. And so I would encourage you if you haven't seen kind of the review, maybe if you were here for the drive in, you can always check that out on our website, on our media page. You can watch or listen to the sermon. Now, if you only watched online and didn't watch in person, yeah. you would have missed out on like really deep sweating because it was so hot. <laughs> so what we did today is we cut the heat on in the studio. Yeah. So you still get to see it now. Yeah. So that's what this uh, handkerchief is. Anyway. Uh, yeah, that too. But um, as we look at that, I think that that was a great, great way that you phrased it in the beginning. You said that God uses the ordinary and in complicated obstacles, great, beautiful opportunities for transformation. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of the beautiful thing. As you started this week's message, you looked at John 16, 7, yeah. um, where, where in, in essence, Jesus said, it's kind of good. It's good that I go away so, so that the Holy yeah. Spirit comes. Because you can imagine, I love telling this joke. Yeah. You know, the one, and I always tell it. It's not even mine. I think it's J.D. Greer's or somebody's. I'm pretty certain it's J.D. Greer who says it because he hates cats too. And yeah. this idea that Jesus is literally telling them, hey, I'm not going to be with you anymore. Yeah. But that's good news. And you go... That can't be good news. I wish Jesus were my pastor. I yeah. wish Jesus were my pastor, right? Like, I wish Jesus were lived in my home. I wish all those things, right? And so, but he literally is saying, you know, if you didn't hear the joke, it's, you know, if Jesus walking with you, you stub your toe, you can go, Abraca Jesus, your toe's better, you know, like, you know, hell damage on your roof, Abraca Jesus, the roof's fixed, you don't have to play with your insurance and yeah. pretend or whatever those kind of things. Not that you would do that, you're godly. And so, <laughs> Jesus does those things. Hey, Jesus, my dog died. It's okay, Abraca Jesus, dog comes back to life, right? Jesus, my cat dies. And he's like, I'll go get a shovel. Right? I'll help you bury it because Jesus hates cats. That was a joke. But this idea that the idea of walking with Jesus seems like the most beautiful thing in the world you can do. And yet what he says, no, 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 you don't want me. You don't want me because I just can be in one place at one time. That's a long line, buddy. You get like half a second head nod, right? You're going to get me. In the third part of who we are, God the Father, yeah. God the Son, God the Spirit. And it's going to invade every part of your life. And guess what? That's what he says in that the same passage. He says, and you will do even greater things than me, yeah. right? Like, you, that doesn't mean that you're going to bring dead people back to life. It's that what Jesus saw in the movement of the gospel was so small there yeah. compared to what you see in the first century and what you get to see today. Like, you're going to see an experience of that. The Holy Spirit will come and help move good forward in right, our right. broken world. So this broken, fallen world, right, this idea that God created this perfect world, falls, that we messed it all up. Jesus buys us back. Is this perfect, fallen, or this perfect, uh, I'm sorry, this broken world can be made whole and right 
now, not perfectly, yeah. but now that's what the Holy Spirit does for us. And Jesus goes, no, 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 it's good that I'm going. Because you you think you got to participate now, but you got to you know see me feed 5,000, and you got to do some things. Just wait till the Spirit comes and invades your life, and the same power that I'm going to use to conquer the grave is going to be available to you and your children. Yeah, That's the story of the gospel and the story of the part of the gospel we missed, the restoration piece. Like right. We can experience that today. You can serve like Jesus did today with the same Spirit that was inside of him. Right, that's what we get when he does this. So I think it's really important that we don't miss that that piece from yeah. redemption to restoration is all because of Jesus's promise in that last discourse. Yeah, and I feel like you've probably already answered yeah. that, and it's it it's defined by the role the Holy Spirit plays yeah. in our lives versus the role that Christ plays. But if Jesus is is God and can do all things, and he's part of the Trinity, like what it's almost becomes a question: Why is Jesus's presence, or why is the Holy Spirit's presence? better than Jesus's presence. And is that understanding? Yeah, so there's the a couple things to say yeah. there. One, um, yeah, so when Jesus says in John 16 that he said we'll get another, right? So right. he's literally, uh, that's like himself, and, and it's the Greek word paraclete, right? It's this Greek word that literally means like an advocate, right? Right. So you'll get someone that will speak to God on behalf of you, right? right. So this counselor is another term, like you know, Prince of Peace, Mighty God, you know, this counselor wonderful counselor that that idea but we think of counselor like let me sit across the couch from you yeah but the, the term is more of like a legal counselor like okay. a lawyer you guys see it as a lawyer so and in many ways when you talk about it even like let's say you get old and you can't make your own decisions or you're going to be um um like put under for a surgery and some of you would sign a power of attorney right, right. that whole idea of a power of attorney is now all of a sudden that attorney represents you yeah. Right. You don't represent yourself anymore. They can represent you and what they say goes, how they advocate for you goes. And so this idea of the Holy Spirit as a counselor and advocate is that it's going, no, no, no. What, what, what God says to you is now going to advocate on his behalf to this yeah. world inside you. Now, the reason that's as important is going, okay, well, Jesus goes to heaven. We get the Holy Spirit. Well, what has Jesus been up to then? Yeah. Right. And so we get that in this passage in, in kind of a unique way in that we get it in the, He's sitting at the right hand. So when it tells us in First John uh, to confess our sins one to another, right? I'm sorry, confess our sins to God. Uh, that's James. That's what we're talking about finding healing. Confess our sins to God. Uh, and confess your sins to God, and He will, you know, He'll cleanse you from all. He is faithful and just, and will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. First John one, right? And so when it says faithful, it means He's going to do what He says to do. The just yeah. is the really important part of there. That just means God is judge, hmm. right? The one who's looking at the the fallen, broken man, all the things that you've been wrong with, like. All those are given an account for, right? So God is a perfect judge. He doesn't just say, ah, not a big deal. Go do it again. No, he's a perfect judge. And every single sin has judgment that comes to it, right? That's what we know about God because he's perfect in that way. And it says when he's faithful, it means he's going to cleanse you of your sin, but he's just, meaning it's actually what he has to do because right. we get another advocate, the advocate from God on behalf of us, the Holy Spirit, the one that represents us to God is sitting at his right hand. Yeah. So it's not like Jesus has not been doing anything. Right, right. Literally, every time you mess up and you go, God, please forgive me. He, Jesus isn't talking to God and go, you know, Josh is a doofus. You got to <laughs> forgive him again. He's literally looking at your heavenly father and going, Dad, already yeah. covered that. Yeah. Nope, 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 nope. Already covered that. Yeah. Nope, remember what you did on the cross? Remember when you pour out your wrath? I absorbed all that because Josh doesn't get it now. Yeah. Right? And so the idea that Jesus goes there, that's really good news for us because we have an advocate sitting, in this case, standing yeah. at the right hand of, of God, and we get a spirit. So what I kind of try to explain is Jesus talks to God on behalf of us. The spirit talks to us on behalf of God. Yeah. No, 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 that conviction we have. Josh, you're worth more than that, right? Oh, Josh, there's a better life for you than that. Josh, there, there's joy in being a good husband and a good father. Josh, there's joy in being generous, right? Mm -hmm. That's the Holy Spirit speaking from God, reminding us how we're wired 
on behalf of God in us. I go, no, 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 I'll walk with you. You there's there's joy in this, but you don't have to do it on your own. It's like I'm shoving you off the diving board. It's like I'm picking you up and jumping with you off right, of them. And right. so that's the picture that we got to see of the Holy Spirit, which is different yeah. than Jesus. Jesus' role is advocate right. uh, to God. Right. Holy Spirit is advocate, another counselor from God on behalf of us, reminding yeah. us how much we're loved, reminding how God will be with us wherever we go, yeah. and that there's not a place yet He hasn't been yet. There's nothing that He could, uh, that we could ever do that would, you know, that He would love us less. That's yeah. all those whispers. All those right. whispers that yeah. are the opposite of what the the enemy whispers. All those whispers are actually coming from the Holy Spirit. In fact, it's the Holy Spirit who, if you can even understand this message, right? If you can understand this, this idea that there is a Savior who loved you enough to die for you, if you can go, I get that. Right. That's not normal. Seventy-five percent right. of our world doesn't get that. They, they laugh at it and they think God, they make a mockery of it. And so the fact that you're even right now going, "Yep, I get that. I dig that. I understand that." That's the work of the Holy Spirit first, doing restoration in your life, so that He can then use you to do it in the world. Right? Yeah. And so there's something beautiful about what the Spirit does. It's, yeah. That's probably a way to kind of describe the difference. Yeah, I yeah. think that's good because it's easy to look at yeah. even even the review of going, "Okay, well, you know, Jesus did His part. Now He's just sitting back." No, He's actively yeah. at work, just the same way that the Holy Spirit yeah. is actively at work, and the Father's still at work. Yeah. So I think. And by the way, when Jesus goes into heaven because He's going to send the Father, these angels show up and go, "Hey, bro, what you doing here? Yeah. Right? You got work to do." Yeah. He's not there. The same. Jesus who was with you who's going there. He'll come back one day, yeah. but that doesn't mean you go and sit. Right. That means Jesus is doing work, Holy Spirit's doing work, right. and now we get to do work right. alongside them. Right. right? That's what right. community is with them. And that's good. So as we jump into kind of the text, uh, I feel like there was two questions that for me arose from just even verse one. So you you pointed out some of the differences between the Hellenistic Jews and the Hebraic Jews. Um, and I, I wasn't sure if there was any more differences that you could talk about, because what you did, I think more so, I'm trying to remember correctly, I think it was more so at the drive-ins, kind of talked about and related that even to kind of the different, you know, where our country's at within race, like the different view, even now, today, we've talked about that a little yeah. bit. But yeah, then so also the, the food distribution was another question of going, okay, so this says in the food distribution what did that look like for the early church like so what did they have like a you know soup kitchen did it was it the apostles you know yeah so um they're, they're, and, yeah so if you look at social welfare right mm -hmm. by the way the church is the one who implemented that government gets involved because church puts some tags on it which is exactly what was happening in the first century yeah so um um most of uh how Welfare happened, like you can think about it. Even got the needy guy. Where did he go? To the to the gate, yeah, right? right? So most of the welfare happened by priest in the okay. synagogue, but m the majority of it, I believe, uh, had tags connected to it. Okay, okay. you get this, but here, you know, like okay. here's there's this new expectation of you clean your act up, right? Like oh right. yeah, you can come in the church, which but, would be accordance with the Jewish law. It's like here's yeah. what you have to do, yeah. and then this. Is so what, there is this like, performance base. We'll yeah. meet your needs here. So, but the priests were doing that, and I mean. Look, we've all done done stuff for the we think for the wrong reasons and the 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 right reasons for the wrong, in the wrong way, right? And so right. I don't. I mean, we all do it. Like we do all sorts of stuff because we think somehow it earns our value, right? right? Like right. the things we say, the things we do, the way we cut our grass, and, and there is some kind of ritual in that where mm -hmm. we gain something from it. So the priests are just doing the same thing; they're taking care of it. But there's no way they can meet all the needs. And then when they came within the church, it's even more complicated because guess who's not going to meet your needs anymore? Not the Jews. They're yeah. done with you. You are an outcast. In fact, right. you can't even talk about this. Like you, you are considered less than human, right? Like this is such a terrible analogy. But like you go back, maybe even now, but you go back 30, 40 years in the South, as uh, a guy or girl dated would date someone outside their race, and they'd be disowned. Right. I mean, it's so right. messed up. And so you, 
see some and still to this day that stuff happens but so like that would be what happened to these converts so they were making these big yeah. leaps to go i trust jesus like you see this even in stories like ruth and you know like they did when they choose to lean in and trust jesus fully uh it meant they had no they had no other underwriting for yeah. their provisions right so these guys were isolated from the very th only thing that jerusalem had in place which was this social welfare system operated by the you know the religious yeah. arm so here's what i will do for you i mean if you I mean, imagine any kind of really broken fundamental world you, you can come in but here's what's expected so right. you right. have all those things going on now so what was happening is is all these jews who were Hebraic jews you know orthodox jews would probably be a good term to use there they are different than uh the hellenistic culture so what you got to understand is you have to you uh, can um, you could read through books like Maccabees, okay, right. uh, which isn't part of the Christian Bible because it's more apocryphal and it's just like more of a story than it doesn't. It's not like there's no like right. hyper confident the Holy Spirit wrote that, right? But it, but there's still history that captures this. This is the story of you know Hanukkah. But what what's happening in culture? So if you go back to the Book of Malachi, um, kind of God goes away, like the last yeah. prophet, and then there's you know kind of this dark period for four hundred right. years, right. four hundred years where they don't know where God is or what He's doing. They're wondering if He's still loves them, cares for them, all this kind of stuff. And so what's happening in those 400 years is, you know, Jerusalem is being ruled and reigned by different regimes. And one of the ones that really came in was the Greeks. Right. And they transformed the culture. Right. And a lot of Jews are like, hey, we like this because we can worship Jesus and have an 85-inch television. Or worship God <laughs> and have an 85-inch television. Okay. Perhaps, right? Like they're, these Orthodox Jews are like, this is, you can't, you can't eat this, can't look at that, can't do that. Where now that the Greeks are influencing their Greek culture, it's kind of like this hybrid, which mm -hmm. is what church is a lot of times, right? Yeah. Hey, I can go to church on Sunday, but I can do all sorts of other stuff during the right, week, especially right. if I can find other people in my small group who will do the same thing, right? So they this this Jewish or this Greek influence was coming in. By yeah. the way, that's why the New Testament is written in Greek because it right. had such an influence on Hebraic culture, uh, on Hebrew culture that basically was like this weird hybrid. Now, there is this line of folks. Judas Maccabee, these like redneck Jews who are going, nope, we're going to keep our stuff, we're going to do our stuff. And so there okay. was like a sect of people coming into the New Testament when Jesus is about to show up who were very orthodox, okay. like very kosher, right? All those kind of things. And then there was this new regime. Okay. So not only do you have like um, a lot of different racial issues because people that were Greeks who decided to marry into that, so right. these half-breeds, right. they'd call them, all these different things like Samaritans that have come into right. Judaism that would have been welcome in the Greek culture, not in the Hebraic culture. So now all of a sudden you have these mixes of races, and then you have these you know straight-line Jews, and now they're in the same place, and they're both Jewish, but Hebraic Jews did not like Hellenistic Jews. Right. And the major reason they didn't like them is they got to sin differently than they did, <laughs> and this sin was more fun than their sin. Right? Okay. This sin was older brother, prodigal son. Okay. This sin was younger brother. You know, eat, okay. you know, you got those things. So, so you have all that influence in there, and so which is by the way, you know, like I'm not gonna preach another sermon. That's why the Gospel of John is so beautiful because the writer John is a Hebraic Jew but grows up in this environment and is young enough to, you know, he's a millennial, so he feels comfortable connecting with him or whatever, right? And uh, first millennial. And so that's funny, I thought. But anyway, um, it was funny, actually. He's a first millennial. First century millennial. Cause first, first millennial. First millennial. Does that first make sense? Century. Yeah, I yeah, get it. Yeah, yeah, I just, sorry, I didn't laugh. Nobody else was laughing. As, as I should have. So anyway, so he's younger. And so when he writes the Gospel of John, he says, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, and the Word was with God, and the Word made us dwelling along us. Like those things, right? That word is logos. It's yeah. a Greek term. And it was a Greek term that the Hebrews understood to be God's Word, meaning, nope, we follow God's law. Right. 
the Greeks understood it to be like karma, like this way by what you live. Like there's this yeah. secret sauce you got to find. So when John says, in the beginning, there was God's word, logos, and this logos that these Greeks have been looking for, like the fountain of youth. Right. And it was always with God. And, and so it perks up both sets of ears. Yeah. Right. And so he's talking to Hebraic Jews or just, uh, I mean, Hellenistic Jews or just, you know, Greeks. And, you know, yeah. so he's, he's using their language to connect both. And so now all of a sudden Jesus comes and declares that he's that word. And they're going, we'll right. follow you. Okay, now finally we understand it. We, we have a life to model. Oh, wow. So you're the spoken Jesus that they talk about in the beginning. You're now him. And so they both decide to latch onto Jesus. But they're coming from different, different right. angles and different roads. Right. So now Jesus goes to heaven. These guys are going... We have the Spirit, so we know that God's in us. We have heard from Him. We know Him. We can affirm that. But we look and act so much different than they do, yeah. right? And so this is this is a clashing of cultures, okay. right? And we we see it with all sorts of cultures. Like I personally love Hispanic culture, right? I love like the the extended family. Yeah. I love their stewardship. I love that they uh, in the South that they would raise. I don't, they probably did it around here too, but uh, like raise their own animals they mm -hmm. do those kind of things multiple families would build onto the compound or live right, in the same right. place like they they share cars there's just something beautiful about that that is very not you know anglo-saxon right right and so these got those culture and then you got african-american culture which is different than right. you know uh, uh predominantly caucasian culture i mean you can just look at churches right right is that their church services are a couple hours right. where you know, us frozen chosen white people are like, hey, it, it's 58 minutes. Yeah, Let's wrap this thing up. Go. It's lunch. <laughs> right? And so, yeah, even those things, even like the, the demonstrative approach by which we worship right. or the feedback from a sermon in an African-American African -American right, culture right. versus a, a white culture. Right? right. And so you got all the, the the music, all those different things are so, so different. And so we're kind of looking at the same thing. All these people that have filled with the spirit, but coming from different roads, yeah. all kind of going together. And so what these Hellenistic Jews are kind of experiencing is, okay, we're all one nation, one tribe, one language, but we look different, act different than all the leaders over there. Yeah. And so you can imagine that a bunch of Lincoln University students going here and going, "This isn't my music." Right, right. right this isn't my music. That and like African American preachers have that really beautiful refrain and repeat. Right. That's not me. Like I talk fast and I mumble and use different language. I use y'all. Yeah. I, I use ask my acts. Right, like that. Yeah. There's just different things in that. And so, what we're seeing in first century these obstacles are not that different yeah. than the, what, we see what we see in the battles of the different cultures that are showing up right here. Right. And so you have all those things kind of appearing. And so what you see here is. Um, some I would say is true and real and legitimate, right? True and real and legitimate in that their experiences, they were probably yeah. outcasts. And some of it is just confirmation bias. There's yeah. this really interesting study, been 15, 20 years ago, where uh, I don't even know what school it did. I need to look this up because I reference it a lot, where they put like, they basically took all these people and put them in public, like a mall, when you could do those things, right? Okay. And they put like fake scars all over their faces, right? Okay. So they like did all this stuff and they sent them out. But right before they went out, they're going, oh, your face is messed up. Let me fix it a little bit. And they wiped it all off. So when they walked out into the world, um, they had the same normal face as they always had. But every single one of them, like 95% of them, said that people looked at them, talked to them, and even focused on those things. Right? Okay. There's this, like you can, if you walk into your house right, thinking that it's going to be a bad day with your spouse, guess what? Yeah. It's going to be a bad day, right? Yeah. And so there's two different sides of this. There's one side of going, this is real legitimate, the data proves it. The other side is, 
this has been our experience so long. And so you have all this, you just got all the murkiness of all this. And so yeah. then there's the battle about the confirmation bias going, no, that's not true. Let me give you an example of a Hellenistic Jew who was taken care of, right? Come here, come here, lady. Come look at it. Come tell your people you were taken care of, right? <laughs> right. And so that's true. That's true. And yet there's just all this different experience. You have all these different things. And so that's all the murmuring. So it's not yeah. just, oh, they're hungry. Like, you got this complex cultural clash, which is happening all around us right now, yeah. and even in the Christian world, right? Yeah. And our Christian brothers and sisters on Facebook, right? There's just all this clash. And so what you see in this moment is just that. And so now all these apostles are charged with fixing it. And right. what happened to this passage is it pleased them all. Yeah. And you go, well, how in the world does that happen? Perhaps there's this yeah. prescriptive explanation of let's call out the problem. Yeah. Let's bring everybody in and go, here's the tension. We got to preach the word. Yeah. We got to keep praying. Guys, we can't stop doing that, right? That is a real legitimate thing. And we can't stop that to go focus on this issue in this right. moment, even though this is an extremely important issue. Right. But we still have this, right? So you got that. So they call out the tension, which is a really important part of this. So they call out the tension and then they come up with a solution. And the the way they come up with solutions, they invite new people to the table yeah. to help be a part of the leadership and speak. Like one of the things that I talked about here is for the first year that I was here, we did so much stuff, like indoor playgrounds, let's do all this kind of stuff. Like I'm gonna do all these things and it never once occurred to me that there'd be a bunch of kids with disabilities mm. who would ride right past that playground and never be able to use it. Right. Or look outside and never be able to use it. Why? It just what was busy doing these other things. It's not right. that I don't love people with disabilities. It's just not my world, not right. aware of my world. Right. And so the solution to that was we need someone at the table. Laura yeah. Troutman, who's always thinking about this and goes, hey, uh, what? Are, hey, we're going to do this right. trails or treat. That's really, really great. But you know wheelchairs aren't good in the woods. On, yeah, oh, right. thank you, thank you, thank you. Right. Right? right. And so the beauty of this is they acknowledge the tension. And, you know, even in this, that tension got brought to me in so much grace, so much grace, right? And so um, they acknowledge the tension, and then they welcome people to the table and go, let me let me speak from that experience. Let me tell you what that's like. Let me tell you what would be helpful there, right? Oh, well, no, 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 no. Here's how we can do So you see this beautiful thing happen. And in the scriptures, and that's why I said at the out, outdoor service, hey, at some point, we're going to add new elders. Yeah. If we want to be seen as intergenerational and interracial, right? right, right. Or multi-generational or multiracial, I, I probably got to understand that language better and understand which one is more appropriate and less less offensive. I don't really know. So forgive me if I'm saying those the wrong way, but multi is probably helpful. Multi-racial, multi-generational, not the same people, all the different people, and going, well, then shouldn't our leadership reflect that? Right. That doesn't mean... That they shouldn't be full of faith in the Holy Spirit. That's what right. we see here. They right. found people who love God. That they didn't just go, oh, you, you, yeah. you fit the profile, right? right? Like that's that's not the goal. Right. Oh, you're old. Come come to the table, right? It's like full of faith, full of Holy Spirit, right? Full of wisdom. Yeah. But our church, if we're going to be those things, we got to invite those people to the table, yeah. right? Uh, since those people, even that, it's such an offensive term, I guess. Like we got to invite every person of every nation right. and tribe to the, to the table. So he's got to figure out how to do that. I don't know the answer, but it does make sense that we'd at least acknowledge that it's a real issue in our country and our world right now. Yeah. So my question then becomes, so you talked about how the apostles, they didn't stop what was important to, yeah. to do what was urgent. Yeah. How do we prioritize in our lives? Like how do we figure out what is, because when things are urgent, Really, it has a way of kind of, at least in my life, overtaking, right? Yeah. Like even the important, because it's so urgent, it's like, no, this has to be addressed right now. And I'm, I can tend to neglect what is important. So the disciples didn't neglect what was important, the preaching of the word, but they also were attentive to what was urgent. So how do we prioritize that in our lives? So I'm going to tell you something that has nothing to do with it, and it might be offensive. Okay. Okay. Sorry, I really okay. Here we go. But here's a principle that I live with in my life as a pastor, right? It's so messed up. It has nothing to do with race, <laughs> nothing to do with those things, nothing okay. to do with even these situations. But you might not believe this, but I get tons of suggestions, ideas, complaints, 
all the time. Just part of the job. I'm yeah, all, I'm right. Wonder Giant. Oh, you know what? It was a little cold there. Music yeah. was a little loud. Okay, right. gotcha. You know? So a lot of times when there's like big needs that arise, someone comes up with this deep conviction on something and they're going, we got to change this. This is really important. We got to do this and that kind of stuff. What I found myself doing is inviting them to make that change. Okay. Now, here's the reality. Most of the time they don't. Okay. But they stop bothering me. <laughs> so it's really terrible. I can't believe I'm, I'm telling you this out loud, but I'm just being really candid here. So if so, you've ever wondered why Josh just ignored your comment. No, no, I don't. Because you ignore did nothing. Comment. No, I'm I don't. Just yeah, so I, a lot of times, Vine would be part of that solution. Yeah. And then what usually happens is they realize this is a really complicated solution. Yeah, and they go, right. oh, okay, it's a lot more nuanced than that. Right. But occasionally, and it's so beautiful when this happened, people are invited to the solution and they do something that is far beyond what I can ever imagine. Yeah. Like so much better than like so much of what we're doing even now that when I was on sabbatical, like even seeing like quarantine trivia. I would have never thought of that, yeah. but like, hey, we got to connect our folks. Like so much of this is coming from the thoughts and minds of people empowered by God's spirit. Right. right. So I think the solution is if – if you're coming to us and going, hey, we really have a concern for this, I would just say, could your concern be so great that you're going to put your yeah. your effort and your energy and your resources into that concern? Yeah, right? I agree. So these people are coming and going, hey, I mean, I don't, who knows? Maybe Stephen was the first one to go, hey, apostles, no one else is saying this, but let me tell you the whisper that's going around. Yeah. I don't know. And they go, great. You know, so some yeah. of this is if you are at least attuned enough to the problem. Could you transition from pointing to problems to right. coming up with solutions? And right. I'll just tell you, I don't know the solutions to right. all this. Right. But I do know that there's a collective, not brain trust in coming up with ideas. There's a collective effort. Most of what people come to me, are, I think, are really great ideas. Right. But they require so many resources to pull off the ideas. Right. And most of them, I, I filter them doing, I can't even hang out with my family five nights a week. And I want to do that. Right. So this thing, I can't do that thing. Because what's important to me right now is to be a leader worth following and a great husband to my wife and a great father. Right. So everything else is just increased to that, right? And so I think part of it is giving people permission, even to mess it up, yeah. to come to the table and jump in. So if you're listening to this right now, particularly if you're having some uh, thoughts about poverty or racism or those yeah. kind of things, please bring them to the table. Yeah. But... Please, please come prepared to do the work that you think should have happen. Right? I think yeah, that's it. I think, I think that's, that's the thing. And so Billy Graham would say it this way. Never pray about something you're not willing to be a part of the solution for. Hmm. Right? And so I think that's it. It's going, okay, yes. What you're going to hear from us is our staff is really busy. Uh, there's lots to get done. And we feel a great burden to make it simple for every man, woman, and child. And even that. Like, I don't yeah. even know if I can use that language anymore. You know, it's, it's yeah. such a complicated world. It's not like I'm trying to draw lines, but it is like to make it simple for all people to connect to Jesus and to one another. And right. that is hard work in our culture. And now right. it's even more complicated because we're outdoor versus indoor. So there's all those things that are really important to us right now in terms of we want to get the gospel and the word of God into people's ears because we believe that is transformative. But it sure could look at to the outside that we're not holding what's going on with police right yeah. now. I'm a, both the brutality of it and also these great men and women who are who was was a position of honor that just disappeared right now. Yeah. So we're not even addressing on either side of that part of it very much, right? Or dealing with all the racial complications or the poverty complications or the immigration right. complications in our world. Like this even the stuff as it relates to the latest decisions with the Supreme Court on, you know, identity and uh, our DACA stuff with, uh, you know, kids and parents. Like there's so much going on and yeah. there's so many people that have deep convictions about all those things and I can understand why you're looking at it and going, "Why are we not addressing that?" Yeah. It's going, "We get it." Yeah. But we really do believe Jesus transforms. The way that happens is his word goes out and never returns void, and that's what does the transformation. And so we can't stop doing that stuff. Right. And right. so that's 
what what's happening here is kind of the experience that happens in in our world, and it's even more complicated because we've chosen to live in the messy middle of it. Right. We haven't gone. Nope, nope. We're gonna we're gonna we're gonna announce that we believe in all ide- identity politics on the political red side or the blue side. We literally stand in the middle of all this stuff, and so, frankly, most of the time, everybody's just a little bit disappointed. Yeah. And so, how do you solve all that and also do the word of God? And the yeah. only solution is what happens here: deacons. Yeah. People that come and go. I'll serve. I'll step up. I'll do yeah. it. And where that comes from, you, it, to finish up that really long answer, is that um, it comes from a need. Yeah. Not usually a skill or a passion or right. experience. Eventually that gets there, but almost, it almost always arises out of a need. Yeah. So there are plenty of needs in our community right now, yeah. even if it's just to sit and listen or just to talk or be different in this or go engage in you know the impoverished world or yeah. go figure out those things, right? And so there's plenty of needs. I'd say that's where it starts. It goes, we acknowledge a problem. We don't expect someone else to fix the problem because the Holy Spirit lives in us. Yeah. So why would I expect it to be that person when the Holy Spirit lives in me? I take the spirit of the living God to that problem. Yeah. So I think that would be... I think I feel like that's a good answer because I'm the outreach guy. That's my title, the outreach pastor. Yeah. But there's so much and so many good programs and outreaches and things that we can get involved with mm-hmm. To be honest, it's overwhelming. Like, I, how do we say yes? How do we say, say no? Like, it's. But I think yeah. that's just it. Like, if you if God brings something to you that you're excited about, that you're passionate about, then I feel like what we've started to do, what I've tried to do, is go, man, yes, yeah. go for it. You can like, do it. We you can, can do this. Yeah. Like, let us know what what you need for support. But this is something that you can jump in, and it's amazing how how God uses that, yeah. like how things come of that and then opportunities can even grow from that. So I, I think that's a great, yeah. way even to when we think about question. our strategic partners, it's yeah. word of God matters. Gospel yeah. goes forward and um, our church body can actually use their hands and feed in them. And yeah. there's a champion here. Yeah. There's someone in our church who has the deep conviction to go, it's going to happen with me. Yeah. No matter what, even if you don't show up, even if church, you don't get involved, even if you don't get volunteers, I'm doing this anyway. Yeah. That, that's kind of what we kind of look at as yeah. the qualifiers even consider is this something we can partner with because otherwise right. it's just more tasks for us to do that's and right. we're just going to let more people down. And it's pretty exciting to be in those meetings because yeah. I'm, I'm in those meetings with those champions and I'm not running it. Like yeah. I, I really, I take notes and then when they ask things for me, I yeah. write those down. What resources and go, do we need? Help uh, me help? Yep. Let me get back to you on that. So it's yeah. pretty awesome to see. So as we talk about these deacons, these seven men that yeah. were elected, right? Like um, one, I think it's important, and you were kind of driving towards this over the weekend services, is that it's not that we have to be elected into some special position. We are all deacons in a sense that we're called to do it. That's even what we're talking about yeah. now. But then here's these seven men that go out and serve. Like is there, there more that you want to talk about? Yeah, there, so there's two things to point out, three actually. One is... We believe, and it tells us in the scriptures, the priesthood of all believers, right. meaning that the role the priest played before Jesus came and redeemed all things is the role we get to play. Right. We get to priest literally pontifex for you know, right. for they, how they use it with the Pope means bridge builder, right? That's literally what it means is yeah. that a bridge builder. That's why I like the way we say we build excitement, build foundations, and build bridges. There's this role that service does in building bridges. A bridge is just footings on both sides of the ravine. Right. It means here's a place that's good for people, and here's where they are. How do we create an environment that welcomes them into this, whether that, that, that what they need is food or water or yeah. the gospel, whatever those things are. And so you have all those different things. So you got that one first. That you, that you That's called for all of us, right? The second one is while these are seven men, there are women deacons in the scriptures. Right. So I don't, I don't know. I don't know why they're identified here. This isn't like, this isn't generic language. These were seven dudes. They even give us their names. Yeah. That doesn't mean you're a woman going, oh, not me. Nope. We see deaconesses throughout yeah. the scriptures. Philippians really, especially. Yeah. yeah so right. we see some pretty cool things happen. And some of that has to do with the founders of that church, yeah. Lydia and others that like right. were in the middle. Like these are leaders. We're right here in Jerusalem. It's a patriarchal society. Right. Like, right. so 
there are two different things. Yes, you got to confront the patriarchy, whatever, whatever those terms are, and deal with that kind of stuff. And yeah, at the same time, there's urgent needs. And so, look, this is not a time for us to battle whether yeah. these things. Let's find seven dudes who people respect, and let's get going there. Yeah. So that isn't um, that isn't the gospel. The gospel welcomes women to the table in this. That's one of the things they do. But in first century church, it's very different than our culture, and so they had to do that in a sensitive way, right? Yeah. So you see that happen. And then the third thing here is, I think the really important part of this is all these guys really valued the word of God. Yeah. Meaning they valued it so much they wanted nothing to stand in the way of people hearing it. If yeah. that meant they had to share it themselves, if that meant they had to, like it's one of those things that go, people need to know Jesus. That's great. But if their stomachs are grumbling and they're thirsty, they also need those things. And there is right. precedent for this. We see Jesus go, no, 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 it's in the back. I want to give them these beautiful right. messages, but keep them here. And we know they can't focus. We know they'll never he- receive this word of God unless right. their needs are met. Right. So there is this. Yes, the word of God takes precedent and all this stuff. But the only way people are going to hear it is if all the other obstacles are removed. Yeah. Hunger, you know, racial tension, uh, confirmation bias, right. you know. Right. Anger, you know, disappointment, sadness, pain, all those things, you know, disability, all those things stand in the way. So you have to go, what are the obstacles so that we can remove them, right? Luke 3, 4 through 6, Isaiah, John the Baptist quote in Isaiah, prepare the way of the Lord and make straight yeah. paths for him. How do we do that? How do we prepare the way of the Lord? Well, if there are Hellenistic Jews right now and they're, and the, the, the widows are dying, that is a distraction for them because they're hungry. Right. It's a distraction for all the people grumbling. So let's solve this so they can get back to learn the word of God so it can spread. And we see it happen. The word of God just spreads. Now, what is implied here, or what what you think at first glance is that means these 12 apostles got to do it. Yeah. I would argue that means 10,000 people yeah. now in unity, yeah. right? Now they're unified. They know that the Spirit's moving. They're right. all doing that now right. because they've found such confidence in what the gospel does. It transforms lives and it transforms cities, yeah. right? That's good. Uh, so I want to dive into Stephen specifically because okay. that's yeah, where because we got 10 minutes. First, yeah. first martyr. But um, even that, the, just the, the question, um, one of the things that you said over the weekend was that it's not just about serving because the message that you could preach or I or anybody else will never be as powerful as the message that someone who's serving, who's connected – yeah. could be what do you what do you mean by that like yeah, why so is that so important thanks for bringing that up i didn't get to talk about that as much i mean a little bit on, uh, on, on sunday morning um outdoors but uh yeah there's a couple things here i, I shared this a good bit seth godin he's a, a, a brilliant marketer and one of the things he started noticing more than a decade ago now was how much spam was entering our lives yeah right like i drove to philly two days ago and i am i am devastated by even the billboards that are up. Mm. Ones that I don't even want my kids to drive down. Like just all mm. this stuff coming, all this stuff coming. Like email now. We have junk folders yeah. and they're just filled with stuff. And no matter what we do, they come more and more stuff. Yeah. And you know, and now the stuff that's important we don't even see because maybe it goes to the junk folder. Like this is all this stuff and all this stuff. And so as Seth Godin said, he, so he said, the best kind of marketing now is permission marketing. Mm. Meaning I give you permission to speak into that. I'm asking for you to tell me about your product. I'm asking. Yeah. And so, not a Christian thought, but I think it, fits this because we're engaging our world the best way that people are going to be uh, you know receptive of the gospel is not me screaming it in your ear yeah, it's right. when someone gives me permission to do that right. well why in the world do they give me permission is it because I, I tell them i have a doctorate in theology they don't care right yeah. like do i lead with that stuff no it's because i serve right yeah. i care for so the reality is while people are coming here the reason they're coming here is not because at some point they're coming because they've They've been served by this community, whether it's yeah. the, the church has 
had movies for them or met their needs in VBS or whatever yeah. those things is, uh, fed them, whatever those things are. They're coming here and giving us permission because of the work that's done. And right, so right. even that is typically the result of service. Yeah. Now, but where the deepest impact is when the one who's serving, where the transformation is obvious, starts explaining why they have that transformation. Yeah. Oh, you want to know why my marriage made it? Right now, you want to yeah. know what, what's different about me? You want to know why I'm not the tyrant I was? Yeah. You want to know why my kids love me? You want to, you know, like, well, here's why, right? Yeah. Here's the explanation. You've now asked a question because you've seen me in front of you. This is why, I, in so many ways, I, I struggle with short term mission trips because we can go over to across the globe and be anybody we want to be. Yeah. It's right. a lot harder to minister in, you know, in That's our right. backyard when. When your neighbors heard you scream at your spouse or right, your kids, right? right? And so right. working on that, there's this idea that we're serving all the time, we're caring all the time. Because at one one day, hopefully we'll get permission. Yeah. And that's what I love. It's like it's the wrong kind of permission. Stephen does all sorts of crazy stuff. And then they kind of give him permission to go, hey, can you speak to us about what's going on here? Yeah. Gladly. <laughs> you know, like finally you ask. They ask Been one waiting. question. Been handcuffed. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, you got soldiers all around me. But you've given me permission to speak? Yeah. Well, then take a seat. Right? Yeah. I mean, that's literally what happens. Like, it's so funny. Like, even in the middle of that persecution, they're going, is this true? You want to know what's true, right? Not in like a gotcha moment. I'm kind of saying yeah, it in jest, right, but right. what a beautiful opportunity for him to get permission to speak. And do you understand? Yeah. He's speaking to all the leaders yeah. for a long period of time. Really? So something about his life gave him, the, they didn't shut him up. Yeah. They hadn't thrown rocks at him yet. Yeah, right. So there, something in this is go, so mesmerizing that they're so drawn to it. And yeah. so... I would argue that's permission. And why I say that many of you will preach much greater sermons to people than I will is they haven't given me permission to. Yeah. And why would they? I'm some stranger, right? right? right. Some broken stranger, right? And so they make a lot more sense that you're the one helping them on the side of the road, changing their tire, yeah. or saying, hey, I'll cut your grass because your husband died. Whatever yeah. that is, like, or let me take you some food. Whatever those things are, it make a lot more sense. Yeah. So, of course, that's the way by which the gospel goes out in that way. Yeah. And I think the last part I'd say about that is, so we see that Stephen values the word because he makes sure that the apostles get to teach it. Yeah. But we also see he values the word because he learned it. Yeah. Right. Because what we see next in verses four, uh, 2 yeah. through 47 in Acts yeah. 7 is, it is in biblical theology walking yeah. through the fallen man, the prominent promise of the covenant and from Abraham all the way down the line, every generation corrupted that covenant right. with more power and control. Right. So right. that is the beauty of this. We know we get it. And why it's so important that you get this, that you can yeah. really understand that there's a God who created you, and you know the why of that, because you're loved, right? That you really can understand that we're so flawed and broken, that, and that we really are so loved that God redeems us, right? And that then we get to participate in that. It's important that you understand the whole Bible, not just the little parts that people screamed at you at a funeral. Yeah, right. right. So. I think that's good. I thought of, you know, that old saying that people don't care how much you know until yeah. they know how much you care. That's yeah. a, that's why service opens the door to conversations. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's so important that even the qualifiers of what made Stephen a deacon or what made him was was that he knew God's word, that he was full of uh, faith or, or wisdom and, and the Holy Spirit. Spirit. And do right. every time a little bit different yeah. qualifiers. But yeah. yeah, so very much qualifiers. So I feel like I've got two, two questions that okay. are, um, or actually one's a question kind of related to Saul. Like, so Saul, who we see in Acts 9, yeah, becomes Paul, yeah. like the, the transformation that happens there. Um, and then we've got kind of your three thoughts. Yeah. just wanted to, to talk about. But why doesn't Saul partake in this? Like, because we see that he's so zealous to stamp out this, this newfound faith, Christianity. Yeah. Why doesn't he partake? Why so, is he just a witness? Um, there's probably two reasons. Uh, oh, uh, the prevailing thought is because of his ranking. Okay. Right, this would have been a 
frontline job. Okay. So this is more beneath. Him. So this isn't okay. watch my coat. Yeah. Right. This is we'll lay them here because no one's going to mess with the captain. Okay. Than it is anything else. So probably because of his pedigree is okay. probably the the most likely stance of it. Yeah. Because uh, I mean I don't, I can't come up with another reason why he wouldn't have done that other than, um, maybe he didn't find it as personal as. Maybe he was just an observer of what was going on in Jerusalem at that point and therefore not part of that group. But the, but because he's part of the Sanhedrin, probably part of the Pharisees as well, highly educated, they got all sorts of stuff there. It would make sense that he would have been very involved in that community. Yeah. So I imagine it's like it's the guy who doesn't have to get sweaty. Okay. Right? Okay. So. And then I'm curious, like, so can you speak on, like, this uh, – I thought it was a great point. Like, this is – Luke intentionally talks yeah. about yeah. Saul, and it's uh, again we know that Saul kind of writes, and he's uh, at this point he's known Saul, he's been yeah. part of it, like yeah. part of his ministry. So can you speak to that again, or at least the idea or the theory behind? Yeah, that? yeah. So when you look at like the Gospel of Luke when it talks about all the things that happened with Mary, and it tells you that, that they broke out in song, right? Yeah. And he has the exact lyrics of the songs, right? You got that, and then you guys and Mary treasured all these things, like, right? So. How does he know this? It could be that the Holy Spirit like gave that to him, but the real logical explanation is he talked to them about that. Right. And she's like, let right. me grab that, those notes from that song I wrote. Hey, yeah. Here they are. And, hey, can I have a copy of this? Let me take, you know what I'm saying? Let me write this down. Hey, Zechariah, let me, let me grab this, right? Like these are, oh, it's in the kid's scrapbook. Let me see it. Like this was a guy who was investigating the greatest story ever told. Yeah. So as he compiles all this stuff, you can imagine he's gathering it for decades even and then putting it all together and get, imagine, how do I tell this story? with the Holy Spirit's creativity and its empowerment. And you can imagine every single word is thought about and processed, both from God himself and the way that he created uh, Luke as a scientist, doctor, methodical, yeah. all those kind of things, right? Understood all that kind of stuff. So and he's thinking, okay, who's the primary subject of the book of Acts? I think it's the Holy Spirit. But who are the big players? Okay, yeah, the church, right. got church. Okay, who who really do we think about when we think about the church? Really, Peter here, right? So Peter's going to be huge in this, right? And he'll, who else is the big player? How do we introduce him? We've already... I've already introduced Peter and all of the Gospel of Luke, right? You got all that kind of stuff. I'm so, okay, we got Paul. Yeah. What's the best way? Hey, Paul, if I'm going to write about you, yeah. where do I start? Mm. Oh, you know, here's a good place to start. Yeah. When I was literally nodding my head with permission of yeah. when that man explained what I understood about theology yeah. in terms of religion and God was in my box in that temple and I was to control it and protect it. Mm. Like somehow God needed me to defend him and explain all these things. When that man called me stiff-necked, <laughs> towards the God of the universe. And then a few weeks, a few days later, I'm walking and I get shoved down and my yeah. neck was not strong enough. Right. And I hear this voice and I go, what is it, Lord? Like almost like this was all supposed to happen. He goes, why are you persecuting me? And I remember the moment that I would have been persecuting him by persecuting his people. Yeah. That head nod was it. So I don't know that's the case. That's what, how I would have shaped it if I had yeah, all the time right, in the world. Right. But you just know that these, these are real people and a real story. So yeah. Paul was invited into Like, you know, you always hear these jokes about who do you want to play you if you're in a movie? And like, you know, Fauci said, I want Brad Pitt to do it. Then on Saturday Night Live, Dr. Fauci is played by Brad Pitt, right? So <laughs> it's that kind of thing. Hey, Paul, I'm going to tell a story with God. Yeah. Where do we input you? Yeah. I think it's that kind of thing. Probably. Yeah. yeah. And I, I think what I enjoy so much yeah. about that theory or that idea is that it's going, man, imagine that impact. Because even Paul is in his yeah. writings is like me, the least of the apostles, yeah. like the, the, the Consider worst. Consider all of that sinners. stuff is rubbish. Right. Like all yeah. of this stuff. And he's going, man, I, I just wonder if it even if he's reminded of of the first martyr, yeah. like the first 
Christian martyr of the faith, and he's going, man, did I miss it at that moment? But God in his graciousness yeah. has brought me to yeah. the point that I'm... Yeah, missing. I would argue that Paul's conversion... You know, we always talk about the church begins in the parking lot, right? Like, how do people feel yeah. safe when they pull up here? We've got work to do there. I'm really excited about the work, all sorts of stuff there. But yeah. So I would say Paul's conversion began with Stephen, yeah. right? The right. greatest missionary in the history of missionaries, the reason that the gospel is in our ears. Right. The Holy Spirit empowered Paul to take it to the West, right? right? And so as that happened, like, it's pretty, like, that's the greatest sermon in the book of Acts. Like, Peter's yeah. got one in Acts chapter 2 that's fun and good and clever, and again, he's <laughs> He's explaining why all this makes sense, but to see that much theology, like just go yeah. read it, go read it and read verses two through four to, or through the end of the chapter and just yeah. like, see how much of it you understand and what you need to study and go, well, I don't know that much about the, the Abrahamic covenant or right. whatever, right. or what does it mean to have a circum, uh, uncircumcised heart? Like, right. Okay. That's a picture of God's promise to his people, right. but it, it was, it was circumcised, you know, genitalia that was male genitalia to be specific there. And it was that, that was a symbol of the covenant, right. but the covenant was for our hearts and God's hearts. Right. So right. when they said that, he's going, he's literally saying, God's covenant's not with that. Yeah. Like just those things. It's so beautiful to go, this is the greatest story ever written. And God yeah. is so brilliant and writing it for so long. And I just don't think we value God's word the way that I hope we're going to in, mm. in the next year. Yeah. Right? Let us cling okay. to this, cling to that as true. Yeah. So that's good. So well, long sermons. They're going to be long sermons. The last, yeah. last thing that I was yeah. going to just kind of mention yeah. was the three thoughts. And if you had anything that you wanted to add either to those, or anything else. And the three final thoughts that you had was one suffering is a part of the Christian walk. The Holy spirit is with you and uses you in great ways. And then uh, the third one was that Jesus was standing. Yeah. So he sees us in our, yeah. our pain and is encouraging us um, in the suffering. Yeah. So I think I messed up the thoughts online. I got them right in person. So there's a, there, the suffering and the Holy spirit should be one. Okay. Jesus standing should be two. And the third one, and I think I mentioned it, but I, I messed it up. And the, the, the term Stephanos, which means okay. overcomer, like the okay. crown. Right. And so first thought is, I, I, I don't want to lie to us. Like there is suffering. Like you will yeah. suffer in this world. The same place that Jesus says, I'm going to give you another one. A little bit later in that same passage, John 16, 33, he goes, Oh, by the way, in this world, you'll have trouble. <laughs> it's just part of it. You yeah. will have trouble. Not that you, uh, it's a possibility. Flip a coin. Have, you, know, you will have trouble, but take heart. That means courage because I have overcome the world. That's the word Stephanos, right? Like this crown. It's just, I mean, it, people who overcome got the crown. That's yeah. what that, so when people understood Stephen's name, it is that. So the, the first part is that. Now, what I would say is, does that mean death? Well, obviously not yet. Yeah. Right? I mean, that's just the reality right now. The fact that you're listening to this just means you're alive. Yeah. So if that's your lot, if that's your sentence, it hasn't happened yet. So let's not focus on that sentence. Let's just go, this is the day that he's made, and let's rejoice and be glad. By the way, we get to, you get to watch this without worrying that someone's going to tr- come into your like kitchen yeah. or your bedroom or office and, and murder you for this belief system, mm-hmm. right? So it doesn't seem like the lot's the same for us as it was for Steven. Mm-hmm. So I just go, well, what does that mean? Like, it's happening in China. So yeah. does that mean God likes you better than Chinese? can't be that so what is it what is it that god wants us to enjoy in this blessing and it has to be that there should be some freedom that comes in this blessing of not being so um captivated or concerned with this you know persecution so that kind of freedom shouldn't mean we should chase after more comfort it meant that kind of freedom while we'll suffer we haven't experienced stephen's suffering yet so what should we do with that right so i think there's something you got to answer there why has god not required you to die because he still has life for you that's why he still has a plan for you and that plan is a part of his restoration of this world and so time to jump in on that that's why you're not suffering in a greater way now some of you are suffering deeply and that's where i'd say 
I know people who suffer well, and the reason they suffer well is they believe in Jesus and his spirit. Mm. They have the Holy Spirit present with them. And that leads to kind of the second point, that when Stephen kind of looks up, he says that Jesus is standing. Right. Every other passage, he's sitting. He's right. sitting and advocating. The fact that he's standing, meaning he is looking at he, I don't know if he's applauding. I don't know if he's pointing yeah. at him. I don't know if he's fist pumping. But he is so captivated by his child and going, no, 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 no. I know this is painful, but I am with you. No, no. Look, it's like I know this. Yeah. I know these moments. Like, it's so silly, but I think about like a shot in the arm like for my kids. And I'm looking. I'm going, look at me. Look at me. Here I am. Right, right. Knowing that they're overwhelmed and pain. He's like, no, no. Right here. Right yeah. here, right here, right. You know, and he's looking at Stephen and his war suffering. So I just would say, and I wish I could preach all this. Wish I had time on Sundays <laughs> and Saturdays. He is looking at Stephen and going, no, no, no. I know you're in suffering. I know you're in pain, but just look at me. Yeah. Look at me. No, no, right here. Hey, right here, right here. So I just say, if that's where you are, would you just look up and look for him because he is there and he is standing and he's looking at you. Go, no, no, look at me. I'm with you. I have overcome this. You're going to overcome it too, which leads mm-hmm. to the third part, which is exactly what Stephen's name meant. And man, he was the one who won the race. Stephanus right. was the crown that was put on the Olympic medalist, right? Mm-hmm. That's the thing. And so I just would say, like, that's the beautiful part about this is the worst thing that can happen to you is you can arrive in glory sooner than I can. Mm-hmm. No one complains about going on vacation early. No one ever complains about their airplane arriving at the destination early. No one ever has. You know, like, oh, gosh, 15 minutes early, right? So the worst thing that can happen to you, and I know there's pain imagining the sorrow of your kid's family, mm-hmm. but the idea that you get to be in glory yeah. forever because you're an overcomer, because of what Christ did for you. Take heart, for I've overcome the world, right? Yeah. That's what you cling to in the middle of suffering. Sustained by the Holy Spirit, knowing that he's saying, look at me, Jesus, going, no, I'm with you. Dad's right here. We got this. And going, no, 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 you're an overcomer too. Those are beautiful things to think about yeah. in the middle of all the struggles of this this world. Yeah, so. that's good. Well, I think that's about all the time that we have for today. Was there any final thoughts? That nope, you we got to seven share? seconds before it's a minute. Okay, so right. uh, we want to thank you guys for joining us so much. Um, if you have questions, please email us at overtime at clcfamily.church. Um, we'd love to have you be part of the discussion, whether that's regarding the weekend service questions about that or just questions in general um that's about all the time we have no we had uh, we already took up time and then you kept going no i extended it actually five minutes you didn't see that okay okay i'll see you thanks that was fun (laughs) for us you're just thanks for enduring yeah you're overcomers (laughs) put the crown on your head